0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series. Interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started.
1: Hi everyone, this is Pat Sherlock and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is an exciting topic to say the least. Starting retail in today's market. So I think we have the best person, the smartest person in mortgage banking that I know, Pete Roski. He is EVP of Retail Lending for AmeriHome, which is a Western Alliance Bank company, and he's had a long career within mortgage banking and capital markets, retail, wholesale. He's done everything in mortgage banking, and I am thrilled to have him here today. Hi, Pete. Hi, Pat.
0: Thank you for that introduction.
1: Well, you are a superstar, and I always enjoy our conversations, and so this is really a great topic for sure, but let's talk about, and this has gone back a lot of years, but how did you get into mortgage banking?
0: Like a lot of people in the industry, we, we don't exactly go looking for the mortgage industry. It kind of comes looking for us. I had started in financial services right out of college 36 years ago. I spent 10 years of doing... I was stuck with financial markets. I was actually a floor trader on the Chicago Board of Trade, and I traded interest rate futures before I got into mortgage banking, and, and I really liked that aspect of capital markets, but I was looking for a job where I could utilize my background in financial markets and trading. A friend of mine said to me, he goes, hey, I work for this little wholesale company named Interfirst, and they need somebody in capital markets, and why don't you come and interview? And the next thing I knew, I was in uh, secondary marketing without the slightest idea of what secondary marketing was.
1: Well, that happens to some of us also. I was in secondary marketing at a time too, so I recognize exactly what you're talking about. So interesting field to say the least. So talk about a little bit, Pete, about your current challenges in your position uh, now as head of retail lending.
0: Sure. So so part of the, the probably the biggest challenge at the moment, again, is probably a lot of people's challenges. The current interest rate cycle happened not without a lot of notice, but happened very rapidly. And those of us that have done this for a long time went, okay, finally we talked about rates were going to go up. Well, they just haven't gone up. They've skyrocketed. I'm I'm sure this is the fastest rise in interest rates. in in many different measures over many, many different years. But that's the biggest problem, is we have a lot of people in the industry now that have never gone through a rising rate cycle, let alone one of this magnitude. And so it's just adjusting attitudes to how do you you deal with this on a day-to-day basis when you haven't done it in a while.
1: That's interesting that you say that because I certainly see that all the time myself. It was expected, but they're shocked for sure. So a really good point. So what trends do you really see in mortgage banking this year and going forward?
0: Again, that's a great question. Like Everybody's like, well, how do I get into the purchase market? And that that is now a question that the forward-thinking entities were, were thinking about for many years ahead of time. So those people that position themselves in the purchase market are already there but that's that's going to be the trend I'd say there's new products are coming in but again the non QM space in the jumbo A is, is was pretty pretty rapid in filling that space over the last year and a half So I think that's there I anticipate a lot of mergers and acquisitions I think we'll see some people unfortunately leave the business some you know just calling it a career because they did well others because they just don't want to compete in this environment or even uh, they're they're going to lose their funding. You know they're going to lose enough money to go enough is enough. So, mergers and acquisitions. I think joint ventures are going to become larger part of the business as people figure out a way to operate in this new environment with uh, with new partners.
1: Yeah, I agree with you for sure. And certainly, it's not an industry for the faint of heart, as we all know. So, and <laughs> the changes are yeah. constant. And I, and how do you personally kind of stay up to speed with it? You've been in executive roles for a long time. Talk about that.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's really interesting to watch the evolution of the mortgage industry. I saw a study a few years ago that said, you know, every time you look back five years, 70% of the names that were there disappear. And I certainly have a whole closet full of shirts and swag from mortgage companies that don't exist anymore. So right. staying current is a matter of staying in touch with all of the great people I've worked with over the years, watching the mortgage press, but also just talking with people that are on the front lines, people that are talking in the executive and the C-suites. And again, the mortgage press, keeping listening to your podcast, reading the mortgage press is actually, for this particular industry, is particularly informative. Rob Christmas' blog, believe it or not, is one of the most fascinating uh, reads that I get. That's one of the ways to, to watch some of the trends.
1: Well, I agree with you. I I, I spend every morning myself reading Chrisman and a lot of the other ones because it, that's what I find fascinating about the business is that it does change all the time. It's not a boring business. And so I'm there with you on that topic. So let's jump into our main topic, which is starting retail in this environment, this marketplace. Uh, talk to our listeners about the strategies and, and what is the... Really, the, up, the opportunities that you see.
0: Yeah, so starting retail in today's market, I'm, I really loved when we discussed the, the topic at hand. And that's what we're doing at AmeriHome is, is we are developing a new retail branch strategy. What we're doing in particular is we're seeking out retail loan officers, tend to be smaller groups or individuals, that are really gonna identify with the AmeriHome culture. And the, the culture here is humble, hungry, and smart. And that's really is based on a, a book called The Ideal Team Player that the founders of AmeriHome, we like to call them now the founding older brothers. They really didn't like being called the founding fathers. They were, said, we're not that old to be founding fathers, we'll be the founding o- older brothers. But they built that the company on being humble, being aware, being hardworking. And there's a lot of different loan officers and retail out there. There's high end performers, there's people that like having all the whistles and bells, there are people that are what I call grinders. And there are people, unfortunately, there's not that many new loan officers in the business. And so, our, our strategy is going to be a combination of Attracting some of the established players that, that understand and want to be part of the AmeriHome story. Part of it's going to be recruiting the, the grinders, people that I've either worked with or people that our, our sales team comes across. Again, they fit the bill, and maybe they're not the largest producers, but they're looking to grow their business. They have a positive attitude. They see what is still possible, and they're not getting wrapped up in daily interest rates. Um, just as a side note, when when I was in college, I remember the day when the prime interest rate went up to 21 and a half on a, on a daily basis. And you know, I, people still did mortgages, houses still got sold, uh, people did rate and term refinances and cash out refinances even in that particular marketplace. So the grinders, and hopefully we we hope to develop new people in the business as well And that's just something I I don't think the mortgage industry has ever really done a great job of in down markets. When the market's roaring and there's loans falling out of the sky, it's really easy to get people in the door. But now part of our strategy is going to be to help develop new loan officers, take those people that have the skills and, again, that fit our culture and give them the tools because they're not built on preconceived notions of having to sell the lowest interest rate, and that's going to be one of our longer-term, one of our longer-term strategies.
1: Well, that's a great strategy, and I'm certainly with you on that topic because I've been on hiring rookies for a long time, as you know. So, talk about this issue in the big kind of picture. Certainly, there's been a lot of conversations where local branch offices, the retail strategy itself is is waning. You're not really seeing it that way from what you're saying. So talk about that, that you still think that customers will need, bars will need that local contact. Oh,
0: absolutely. In fact, a lot of the data shows that of, of say 40 and over people are used to having a financial services strategy team, and they tend to be uh, more consultative. There certainly is a, a a section of the population that's always going to be rate and price driven, but the over forty crowd still likes to have somebody where they can feel like their mortgage professional is part of their team. But what's new and interesting is that the younger millennials now—the data is showing that they would like to have somebody consultate with them they want they want an opinion they want something other than just give me the loan that i read online tell me what my options are tell me how this best fits in what my financial strategy is and i think that's surprising people i th- there was an expectation and i think it's come to pass that technology would step up and be a far greater part of the origination process and it is we're seeing some really really cool investments in the mortgage business my old colleague Brian View and Finlocker is a great example of that, but I'm also finding that the millennials like have somebody to talk about and they want to talk to somebody. They don't want to talk to their phone about the best mortgage. So I see that trend keeping uh, the retail runoffs are not only in business but those that are uh, established members of the community and building that that presence and if some mortgage brokers certainly fit that bill. They are established members of the community, but again, what I've got at AmeriHome here, which is fantastic, is I've got a bank parent that is now producing as a, is the end investor in non-QM and expanded jumbo and jumbo products and a whole other raft of things coming down the road. So the loan officers that we're recruiting here are gonna have every product and they're gonna have it in house as opposed to being an expert in 25 or 50 different investors. And to me, that was always the hardest part about being a broker is that you had to know the systems and the guidelines of multiple companies. I think again, in terms of efficiency, and execution. That mortgage bank branch is really the best way to be a member of the community and have the most efficient execution for established loan officers.
1: So what are your thoughts? And you started to talk about technology. Certainly what I see in the mortgage industry is that you have the older loan officers, not all of them, but many of them that won't use technology. So therefore, is that part of the reason why you're emphasizing rookies?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things that is, is technology is beginning to catch up on is the hybrid e-close
1: mm-hmm.
0: where you can actually go in and sign most of your doc, e-sign your documents and the actual closing process is actually physically only signing somewhere between 10 and 15 notary documents. Well, it's always interesting the large number of opt-outs some people just don't want to e-sign. They, they still mm-hmm. don't have full faith in the technology. But that also applies to loan officers. There's a discomfort with some people with their information as they see it going online. Mm-hmm. And when you understand the technology, you understand protected and encrypted pathways, you find out that's really, the, the, it is about as safe as faxing something is. But the utilization and the adoption rates still don't reach 100% in technology. So there's always going to be a, an appeal and, and a place for people that just simply want to do it the old fashioned way. And we'll never give that up. When, if people want to opt into that, that'll always be an option uh, for any of our for borrowers and our loan officers. But we do find that those that adopt to the technology and adopt it to the to the efficiencies that the technology can bring and get a lot more done. And certainly in our outbound marketing on our consumer direct side, we rely on that. But again, I know there's retail loan officers that are still, you know, they're going to miss the days of signing a loan application in triplicate.
1: True. That goes back a ways, to say the least. So talk about, Pete, from the standpoint of when you're looking at the realtor and we're now in a purchase money market, the realtors have actually, A, adopted a lot of technology faster than I think the mortgage industry, but also the other side to it is they're not sitting in their offices anymore. They are remote. And so therefore, The local originator has to have a different skill set when it comes to marketing. Talk about what you do on that.
0: really great company I worked for and that I worked for previously, uh, Mark Shankman at Priority Financial Network, had this great line about loan officers and being a loan officer sitting in the office. And he goes, well, all the loans that are already here are here. The new ones are out there. (laughs) And... Uh, I think loan officers are going to go back to spending time establishing relationships with referral sources. They have to, and that sense of having to connect with those referral sources sooner and faster in the process. Now, with the housing shortage, you, know, you ever, all of us have heard the horror stories and the unbelievable. You know, house went up for sale, and within three hours there was forty offers on the house. And it got sold without the borrowers even looking into it. So speed to market is really key. And the realtors, the good realtors have figured that out. But what I've also found is those same realtors don't understand that there are products out there now for self-employed borrowers and professional investors. And if they're not careful, they get a little bit too caught up in the speed to market. And so the really well-informed loan officers are now presenting both the relationship but getting uh, unusual or less available products, uh, getting that product information in front of the realtor so they know if they've got an unusual situation that a really good mortgage loan officer is their best ally. They will get an unusual deal done, obviously is getting many people truly credit, pre-qualified as well so that they can be in a competitive bidding situation, again, with the technology, as ways for the real estate agent and the loan officer to be as effective as possible.
1: Yes, you mentioned joint ventures, and if you could talk a little bit more about that, certainly you're seeing companies like Opendoor, Redfin, all these other companies that are now actually purchasing real estate, purchasing single-family homes, something that really hadn't happened as much as it is now. And they are almost really monitoring from a standpoint of market share, somewhere around 20% of all the single-family homes are being purchased by basically conglomerates. So the loan officer Um, It has one sphere of influence, but then we're talking about joint ventures. How do you see that working?
0: Well, I think that the investment community was was ahead of the curve, maybe fortuitously in the desire to acquire residential real estate assets. And those large conglomerates knew at some point there was likely to be a pretty good rally. They At least they, they planned for it. That foresight obviously serves them very well. I, I don't think that's going to go away. I think there is more of an interest now in the large professional investors and the large hedge funds and private equity funds having that real estate opportunity and that real estate asset at hand. Uh, but at, at the, same thing, the same time, when I talk about joint ventures, too, the one of the great advantages that builders had for a long time was forming joint ventures. And having that ability to have a front seat with the borrower uh, right up, right out of the new home purchase as somebody was designing their house. Here's the mortgage company and they can give you a much better deal through the the relevant financial benefits as well as some of the legal uh, advantages that those joint ventures allowed. A joint venture now is a very complicated legal construct. But I think that's going to be where people go to as they're rethinking their capital needs, their technology needs, and how they're going to compete going forward. And and that's certainly in our um, our, our companies talking about it and seeing how we can plan for that going forward.
1: Well, I think you're right on with that. I think uh, the. What's going on in, in the total market for the real estate industry is certainly a lot of different components. And this is one of them. I mean, in other words, is it a database business or is it a relationship business? All these types of conversations are being had, which I think is important because it is changing. So, Pete, we could go on for hours. I love talking with you. We only have a couple minutes left. So, what couple takeaways would you like our listeners to have today?
0: Well, first of all, Pat, thank you. The, the takeaways that I, that I would tell the audience is if you're a loan originator, maintain as much knowledge as you can of the products that are, that are out there. You have that encyclopedic knowledge of the products themselves, know what's available. But I would say don't try and know every guideline of every investor out there. You won't get any real work done. <laughs> I would say the biggest asset you can possibly have is that uh, that database of customers and contacts. Stay in contact with them. It's amazing what drip campaigns can do, presence in the community, presence with your previous borrowers and customers. And don't forget to call and ask them what's going on. The old fashioned way, a phone call, it's amazing what that does. It, it, the personal contact is maybe still the best way to generate business. The happy birthday uh, emails are great. It's amazing how much business they generate. But generate new ideas, new concepts. Stay in contact with people, and you'll be amazed. Don't forget to ask them about, are you retiring? Are your kids going to college? Do you want to do a kitty condo? Are you thinking about investment properties? Because if you don't ask them, they may look somewhere else.
1: Well, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a personal contact business. I mean, I think that's really, again, the key to success. I agree with you hundred percent. I want to thank you, Pete, for sharing all your wisdom today. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks, Pete.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity.
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.